Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And today I'm joined with Jared and Justin, who are pastors, authors, church leaders. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in to this Guys Like Us podcast episode with Jared and Justin coming to us from Texas. They are authors, pastors, church leaders, among a whole lot more. Very excited for this conversation today. It is all about discipleship, the importance of groups, and really the importance of being together with one another. It's a key word, key words rather, that um, are echoed throughout this conversation is to continue to be in fellowship and deep relationship with one another. Uh, and it's important and it shows signs of health within your own spiritual life, health within the church at large. And so certainly important for churches. Um, and if you're a member of a church to be part of plugged in with uh, seeking community, Faith is not an individual walk, but is done with others in community. So I'm excited to break down their uh, latest book, Short Guide to Groups, The Art of Leading Community, um, hear more about the Community Leadership Collective, uh, a platform um, to help churches consider um, their discipleship, how they're engaging with their congregants. And uh, we talk a a whole lot about small groups, uh, discipleship, and much more. So stay tuned. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And so we're recording now in June and, uh, you know, you guys just released a book. I know you've been doing some, you know, some work together for some time. Um, and so would love to, yeah, we can just kind of start in the book. This is a topic certainly of interest for me. I have it right here, groups, a short guide to groups, the art of leading community. Um, and so you guys both co-op, co-authored this book. Um, I know you've been doing some work together with the Community Leadership Collective. Um, and so would love just to kind of hear a little bit more about your heart behind small groups, discipleship, and what led to, what prompted you uh, to write a book? Hmm. I think for me that that journey started over 20 years ago. Um, I grew up in the church. I I came to faith in Christ when I was eight. Hmm. And I think um, it was part of some really healthy churches, but small groups were not a part of any of those churches. Um, And so growing up middle school and high school, I was always wondering like, where Where's the community? Where are the, particularly where are the guys um, that I can connect with who are walking this walk? I just I couldn't find them. Hmm. And I got to college, and in my first week of college, my roommate busted in, told me about um, yeah, an organization on campus, uh, started talking about it, and then uh, told me about something they do called cell groups. And he said, "Man, it's it's like four or five guys who get together every week and they pray together and they talk about what God's doing in their life." And I went, "Stop right there, I'm in." Mm. Um, and I've been in ever since that moment. So that was a, that was a turning point for me. And that's what I've been doing for the last 20 plus years mm-hmm. in the lead environments like that. Awesome. How about for you, Justin? Yeah, for me, I mean, it's similar in nature. I felt a calling to uh, ministry when I was 16 years old through, uh, Canica camps was really important in my story. And so, uh, ever since then just felt a call towards the local church called towards ministry and you know i'm a true millennial at heart and so 
for me, it was this time where I was really starting to ask more intentional questions for myself, but then also at a broader culture. It's like, what does it look like to follow Jesus in this day and age? And when I looked at the churches that I grew up in, though I'm super grateful for them and don't want to say anything against them, right? We, it's just, it's our inherited culture and it's a good thing. The Lord used that mm-hmm. in powerful ways. But I be, just began to ask questions around like, help me understand why we do this and help me understand why we do that. And small group ministry took on a form for me that it was just the vehicle for kind of the true essence of what you see in the scriptures. And so we always talked about community, but didn't feel like we actually created space for community. Mm-hmm. We talked about serving our neighbor, but didn't really feel like we created space to serve our neighbor. Now, I think the broader evangelical church or, or just the broader church at large has changed over the years. And so I've been super grateful for that. But there's always this tendency towards kind of like, hey, Sunday morning, 90% of our resources go to Sunday morning. Um, 90% of our hours, our volunteers, everything goes to this two-hour experience on a Sunday morning. And I just began to think like, is that really what Jesus called us to? Hmm. And again, I feel like I have to qualify it again. What I'm not saying is that that's not an important aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. I think it is. The church gathered as a whole under the authority of the scriptures is super important. It's crucial. But it began to just give me space to be able to walk into this and then help others walk into that space Mm -hmm. that was like, man, I don't know what it looks like for me to follow Jesus, you know, in this day and age right now. And I felt like I was surrounded by a group of people who could help me do that. Um, and then now in my role and in Jared's role where he is, and it sounds like you as well, Tyler, is this space of uh, providing that space for other people to be able to take that mm-hmm. next step of following Jesus. And it really is a space for, it's for everyone. I mean, when you're dealing with groups ministry, it is hard because you're dealing with everything from the baby Christian or maybe even not a Christian, mm-hmm. <clears throat> ideally, right? But we're providing space for all these people. Mm-hmm. All the way to the other side, it's like there may be addictions or there may be abuse happening or there may be whatever it might be, just the highs and the lows of life. And it felt like groups ministry was the space where when Jesus says mourn with those who mourn and rejoice yeah. with those who rejoice that we could provide a space for that. And so that's one of the reasons yeah. why, yes, I want to write the book, but more than anything, give my life to community ministry in the local church uh, you know, of America today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as we... As we've just been friends for many years and, and we've talked over and over, the thing that I think keeps us coming back is that uh, groups ministry in particular, leading community, feels about as, as close to that first century church as, as we can really get. And there's there's something really transformational there. Mm-hmm. So every day something new in groups. Uh, you're not going to get bored leading a groups ministry or leading community in the local church. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's some of the fun of it. No, no, it's, it's really good. And I get excited. I think, yeah, you're you're right. I think... Uh, I actually came to faith in Christ during through a you know a small group outlet when I was in college. Was an athlete, played soccer, and through like a um, there's a, a small group as you know I'm based in New England here. It was through InterVarsity that had an athlete's Bible study, and that was there where I could kind of build that relationship, build that trust with other guys who are who I knew were you know going through similar life stages as me. And um, but yeah, and you're right. I think it's. You know, going back to your point, Justin, a lot of our resources, energy, time goes toward our to, to Sunday or Sunday gatherings, right? To the Lord's Day, which is absolutely essential and crucial. Um, but I think that there's, and I'm, I'm trying to kind of unpack why that is, uh, because we, we see the same things at our church. It's that trying to get people to, you know, be involved throughout the week 
it, the, you know, the, the participation, the, you know, the invitation is there, but the participation isn't always the same. Right. And I think we've, we look at, you know, I think a healthy church does have people who are seeking the Lord and are active, engaged, growing in discipleship and leadership. Um, so I just would love to kind of, you know, hear, you know, the, how do you get people right from, that Sunday mindset into this group group mindset. And I think there's a lot of good things as you know, all of us believe, but we'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, man. The first thing is just giving them the imagination for it. Um, there's something very, very primal, very human that God, God put in our DNA, um, to know and be known by others. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to, to experience that together. And I think that it just means that you constantly talk about the importance of that in every aspect of your church, um, because we we do not transform alone. In fact, the less the less relational your church is, the less transformational your church is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, you can have a very transactional church experience, but it mm -hmm. may not be transformational. That's right. You know what, what I've learned is that you just kind of have to walk people through this this journey and story to help them see that um, you. You will not transform alone. Everybody wants to change. Like we all know, we've got something in us that we want to change. Mm -hmm. But the invitation and kind of the, the story journey you got to take them on is what's that going to cost you? Um, people don't people don't mourn change. People mourn loss. And so what's it what's it going to cost you to be a part of this community? that's going to be really meaningful. Um, small groups can be a part of that, mm -hmm. but a lot of times if they try them, they run into that relational rub you know, the first couple of weeks and, and we tend to back out. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we can do to mm -hmm. encourage them as pastors and leaders in the church is just to prepare them. Just say, hey, here's what to expect from a night at group. Mm -hmm. um, here's what we can promise in a group, really. And here's kind of what we can't promise. Some of that's in the book. Mm -hmm. um, just how to have that conversation and begin to get their imagination going for what does God say about this community? Something we, mm -hmm. we quote quite a bit, and it's in the book too, is uh, from Bonhoeffer's Life Together is that we all have this ideal of what the Christian community is supposed to be like. And it probably looks a lot like your own personal preferences. Um, that's not God's design. In fact, it's good to have those preferences rubbed up against because um, that's how we transform. That's how we change, particularly with adults. Um, hmm. Adults change the most in relationship. Hmm. Um, so I think small groups can be that the most transformational space in the church, but first we got to give them the imagination mm. to do that mm -hmm. and, and let them know, kind of give them the roadmap. Here's what to expect from a group. What do you mm. think, Justin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I think Tyler, the question is like, how do we get them from Sunday to, to go? So Jared starts that <clears throat> with a little bit of like imagination, sharing stories, those types of things. But yeah. I'm sorry, I keep having children come in and out, but <laughs> hey, baby, go. Please go. Um, but, uh, so it's a sense of imagination. And it's just storytelling. Like we are formed by story. We're storied people. And so on a Sunday morning, you are able to share the stories of transformation that does happen. Um, I think that uh, for so many in our church, they they will do what we tell them to do for good or for ill uh, many times, not always, but many times. And so they will even go to a, a small group or for us, what we call home groups. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even mean that they're going to transform there either, right? It, you have to create the sense of buy-in that's like, Hey, you're here for a reason. If if we are just messing around, then why do we? Why are we even meeting, right? But mm -hmm. let's actually create a space where we're actually moving forward. I I think also that we've been so formed by the American mindset, which is ever since kindergarten, we take the test, we study the notes, we get mm -hmm. the A, 
Mm-hmm. And it's like knowledge in equals test out, therefore we're transformed. Mm-hmm. And so we have to give maybe a better and, and more fuller picture around how we actually do change. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I believe deeply that love is the greatest marker of spiritual maturity. So if mm-hmm. that is true, then we've got to create spaces where love actually happens in the church. And it just doesn't happen in a two hours on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. where, you know, my kids are being taken care of over there. You're not seeing me at my worst moments. And then I actually have to repent in front of you because of how I responded to my kid and, mm-hmm. and all, the, all the good things that, that yeah. a, a group ministry can kind of facilitate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I'm marked by Jesus' statement that all the law and the prophets hang on this. Mm-hmm. It's the golden rule. Yeah. And so we have this sense of Christianity being, I go to a place as opposed to something that I experience with the people of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so to help, it's imagination, it's story, but it's also vision casting towards, mm-hmm. like, this is where we need to be as a people of God. Mm-hmm. Yes. That Sunday morning experience is, again, crucial to be able to help us facilitate that. Mm-hmm. But if the Sunday morning experience just becomes what it has for many churches of today, um, mm-hmm. it'll just have this slow decline in death that none of us want right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also man i mean if you're if you're if you're preaching pastor or pastors um are not sharing stories of how they're formed in community giving people that imagination and giving them direction if the pulpit isn't mm-hmm. somehow tied to your small group uh efforts then it's going to be really really difficult so this is everybody mm-hmm. moving in community moving as a team saying this is important Mm. Um, I think groups are a place, man, preachers should love groups because groups are a place to practice what is preached. Your preacher, Mm -hmm, your preacher mm -hmm. preaches on, on Sabbath rest. Well, okay, great. That was a good sermon. It was Mm. biblical. What do I do with it? Take it into the group. Right. It's like, Hey guys, we we just heard this command from God. And one thing we'll often do with groups that we meet with or churches that we train is we'll have them look at the over 50 one another commands of the new Testament. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there, there's tons of, and these are commands. They can be uh, obeyed or disobeyed, right. but we want to obey them. We'll often tell them, hey, just look look down that list. How many of these can we fully accomplish in a couple hours on a Sunday morning? Hmm. The answer is not many. How many of these can we accomplish in a small group setting? And people go, oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, a small group is going to be the best place to walk out the commands of the New Testament to, to practice spiritual gifts, a lot of those you can't you can't use on a Sunday morning. Um, so it's a place where the body can really become activated. Um, mm. You've got to start giving people some of the scriptural ideas for that and letting them see how the, the pulpit, God's word and commands on Sunday morning, tie into our life together and our walking throughout the week. Mm. And small groups are the best place for those play, for those things to meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the the challenges I think that at least you're, you're right is this very transactional nature uh, of church and how we think of this you know this digestion in therefore mm-hmm. equates to this knowledge right of God and life in God, but maybe the latter part is is missing a little bit um, because I think it comes to right I think you mentioned it's like sometimes it will lead to confession or repentance you know and you'll get to know more about people. And I think that's, it requires a, a new level of engagement for the believer, right? Or for the follower of Jesus, which is, it can be costly, right? Um, and so we, um, you know, I know our church is based off Acts 242, you know, fellowship, mm-hmm. breaking of bread, uh, teaching under the, you know, the apostles teaching. 
and yep. really to be shaped and formed. And Jared, I, I love how you said the connection between Sunday, you know, the, the preaching, the, the word of God for, you know, and then that connecting to small groups. Can you explain a little bit more of that connection? Because I think, um, yeah, I would love, and, and as a, you know, as a, you know, yourselves as pastors, as leaders, what, what are you expecting to hear? You, do you want to hear some of these deeper things, you know, that are under the surface maybe about people's lives that are happening in small groups, or is there kind of a, an element that is maybe just for that group? So I would love to hear kind of how the, the connection between small group and the word and the overall church body kind of integrates or disintegrates in some moments. Yeah. I mean, first off, if you're if your preaching pastor um, is not a participant and a recipient of community, it is going to be very difficult for him to say to the church that this is important. Um, so that that's a challenge to fellow preaching pastors mm-hmm. um, that you you have got to be the group's champion for your church. Don't get mad at your group's guy if they're not working, if you never talk about them or if you don't share your own experience or you don't partake. So um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll use that to just challenge fellow pastors in that um mm-hmm. because a lot of times they'll get they'll get upset at the group's ministry um that it's not working well one of the best ways to work and to to make happen what you're talking about tyler mm. is to work together i mean the church the church staff should be an example of those one another's moving in concert mm. of spiritual gifts being used to build up the body of christ so if you've got a preaching gift talk to your small group guy Say, hey man, I, I would love to work on maybe, and a lot of churches do this, super scalable. We write about some of this in the book. Um, is can you just write, or can we partner to write five or six application questions out of this sermon this week uh, for our groups? And it's super easy. You can you can do it before the sermon is launched. You can sit there as if you're the discipleship person or the person charged over groups or the volunteer over groups. You can sit there and write some questions during the sermon. Get them out to those group leaders um, that Sunday, and then they've got them for the entire week. I'll often have them go back and read the scripture that was preached so it's fresh in our minds. And then we're talking about, I just call them walking questions, because that's the New Testament's favorite, one of the New Testament's favorite uh, analogies of our life together, which is as you're walking. So guys, Mm -hmm. how do we walk out this truth about Sabbath, or what does it look Mm -hmm. like to love one another. That's a that's a big command, but but all the law and prophets hang on. Mm-hmm. So you got to work together. The the mm-hmm. preaching pastor has to be the champion, um, mm-hmm. and you've got to work in concert to say that this is an important, crucial part of our mm-hmm. church, and we're putting our money where our mouth is. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I think those application questions, right? Like that's it's not a new idea to help nope. translate that over. I'm much more interested in the conversation of like, how do we actually practice these things and then practice yep. these things together? Like we know Sabbath is important. We know fasting is something that Jesus did right. regularly. And so what does it look like for us to actually fast and, and then learn the physical experience of fasting together? And so then group just yep. becomes a space of like, Hey, what is the Lord saying to you during the season? Mm. What is he asking you to give up or what is he asking you to add on or whatever it might be? Mm-hmm. And so it, for a senior pastor to spend 20 hours or however long it is on a sermon and then put it away and never touch it again and then create a whole new one the next Sunday and this next one and then the next mm. one and then the next one. Like there's so much rich 
mm-hmm. trappings that can mm-hmm. be implemented into the group that's like, no, we're going to get this into our bodies. That's right. I remember John right. Tyson, who's a pastor up in New York, he said, God, and you, you talk about vulnerability a little bit, mm-hmm. God can't transform the person you're pretending to be. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was right. like, oh my gosh. And you think about, again, the group's ministry, the community space is a space where it's like, let's, let's peel back the layers of maybe who I'm actually pretending myself that I'm lying to myself that I'm this, mm-hmm. let alone somebody else. Right. And so when you get in contact with somebody else who sees all the good and all the bad and all the hard, it's a space to be say, hey, do you know that you actually shut people out whenever we talk about this thing? That takes time. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. Uh, and so, you know, to talk about the vulnerability aspect of it, it's like we don't have a lot of spaces where we're actually vulnerable with other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And God can't transform the person that I'm pretending to be to them or to myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, it, it's good. And Jared, I want to kind of go back to one of, one of your points that kind of acting in concert with each other and um, like, right, some of these spiritual disciplines like fasting or Sabbath rest, right? What does it look like for that small group to be corporately, communally engaging in this spiritual, you know, in Sabbath, but right, whatever that looks like, Saturday or yeah. addition, you know, we're going to fast from social media for this and doing that as a group and holding each other accountable, right? Because um, I, I really like that. It's not simply an individual faith, but your your individual life is done with one another because you're edifying, you're encouraging, you're building up one right. another in that, right? There's two examples. Right. I think I re- read uh, JT English's book, Deep Discipleship talks about raising the bar, right? And that people often will meet kind of a new expectation rather than meet going down to the lowest common denominator. Because I think this is often a little bit challenging, right? Okay, we're, we're all going to commit to fasting on this one day or whatever. Um, but yeah, we just, you know, have, have you had an experience of groups kind of rising and even, you know, growing in that transformation when that, when these things are established that, hey, we're not, we're going to be a group that is moving toward a particular direction. Yeah. I mean, some of what JT talks about there is raising the bar doctrinally. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say we also want to raise the bar relationally, which I think sometimes is even harder because you you get that very difficult rub um, and that sometimes we are so focused on the differences of one another. We forget that we've got the greatest commonality in the cosmos in common. It's like every single person in this living room here tonight in this small group, um, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that means that we've got an eternal destination together. You've got God's living, active, mm-hmm. Holy Spirit inside you. Same spirits in me, and yet groups boring. You know that that's the relational challenge. Um, that's raising the bar relationally. The two questions that are most important for your group is what is God saying to you through His Word, through His Spirit, and how can we help? Mm. That's Christian community. If you do nothing else in your small group, those two questions are most vital. I, I put those on our sermon guides every week because I'm like, hey, guys, if you if you don't like the questions we came up with, that's fine. But here's a matter of what is God saying to you through his word, by his spirit, as you're walking with him, and how can we help you walk? Mm-hmm. That, that is the best place to raise the bar relationally in your church. Um, because I, I've been in a lot of doctrinally serious churches. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not always transformational. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, when, we, when we talk about the renewing of your mind, well, it, we, we think of that as just a cognition that actually involves your whole being. That's, that's heart, mind, and soul, all of that. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, Hebrews, the Hebrews and 
early New Testament, they didn't, they didn't just stretch that out. They didn't divide heart and mind like we do, um, even like some Christian authors do. Hmm. It's the whole man, the whole woman, together. We've got to, we've got to take that hmm. relational challenge and up the relational ante a little bit in our groups and see people as whole people, not just, uh, do you believe this, 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 and this, check, check, check. Um, that's a start for unity. Hmm. But then what does it mean to walk those things out? Mm-hmm. That's the relational challenge. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. So I was just kind of thinking here, right, of the maturity, growing maturity as in, you know, relationally, uh, growing in maturity as a group, right? Um, and I think I, I reference there, there's a good small group guide by uh, Redeemer. It's like this 200 page single space mm-hmm. document. It's, and, you know, it's, it's, oh, yes. it's very it New York. It's very, yeah, it's very New York City. It's you great. Know, it's it great. is. But, you know, Kind of sometimes digesting that for you know the context that you're in is, is you know is the is the key. I love it, but you know there's a breakdown right of prayer, fellowship, teaching, evangelism, outreach. How you know I would love to hear how you guys see the the breakdown of time, the investment, um, in how that looks over the life cycle. What a group looks like as it matures. So I guess two questions there, right? Yeah. I'll- I'll let Justin handle the life cycles because he is—he really has done some amazing work on that. It's in the book as far as how a group can identify kind of where they are in the life cycle of the group. Spoiler alert, every group has a life cycle. Um, mm. but, what I, but what I will say is that, um, yeah, Justin, why don't you go into the life cycles? Um, I think that would be best use of the time. Well, yeah, and I think the first thing, you know, what you were just talking about, Tyler, it's, it's rhythm, right? So you, you even mentioned how much time do you spend – you know, I think sometimes we get caught in the, okay, we have two hours. We have to spend 40 minutes on this, 30 minutes on this, and, you know, the rest of it we have to spend on this. Right. So a lot of what we talk about uh, is rhythm. And so hmm. uh, some of the things that we've created at, uh, at the village where, where I work is gather, include, bless. And so we want to create a space in a, in a month, generally speaking, where it's like we're gathering twice a month and doing all the good things like fellowship, sharing a meal, confession, repentance, all the good stuff. Uh, and then that third week is that we're going to find a place in our community where we're going to include others into this space. And whether it's the playground, whether it's the coffee shop, whether, you know, whatever it might be, somewhere mm-hmm. to frequent where we're rubbing shoulders with non-believers and the people that are in the uh, establishment to be able to develop relationships with them for the sake of the gospel. And then the last one would be blessed, right? Abraham says, Genesis 12, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing so that we pick that up and we mm-hmm. partner with God and the renewal of all things in our communities. And so that bless is looking for somebody, whether they're in the church, like whether it's a widow or whether it's someone that needs mm-hmm. help or somebody outside the church where you're just going to, you're like, Hey, uh, we're just, we're in our community. We're just looking to do some lawn care. Like you guys need help or mm-hmm. you know, we don't want that to be offensive. Obviously <laughs> it's like, Oh, you're, your life looks terrible. Let me help you. That's um, Let me help you with that. Yeah, that's right. But let's help you with that either way. Uh, but you know that it's this gather, include, bless, and so that's this sense of rhythm that's like gospel in, gospel out. Right. Now to go to the life cycles in the beginning of your group forming, we all know that we need to spend more time in that in that community aspect. So maybe maybe you gather, and it's that's all you do right for the first couple months just to like share stories and share vulnerability and as you're breaking down some of those barriers but as the group grows you've got to move more towards that missional aspect because if you don't it'll be a slow slow death at the end of that life cycle and it won't be something that's 
that multiplies, it'll be something that's really just internal and it'll have a slow death. Mm. Uh, and so one of, the, one of the analogies that we use is a stagnant pool. A stagnant mm. pool does not breed life, it breeds death. Mm. A stagnant pool, and what happens with it's a living pool is it has fresh water in mm. and old water out. And so there's this sense of movement that happens within the group and, mm. or within the pool, and that obviously happens within the group as well. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't move more towards that missional aspect, as the group grows, uh, you will begin to just become stagnant and mm-hmm. slowly, slowly die. Uh, and so mm-hmm. rhythm and community and mission are kind of the, the, the main things that we talk about uh, to help people practice what is preached, to help mm-hmm. people practice what it means to partner with God in blessing the nations, mm-hmm. whether that's afar or whether that's in our neighborhoods right. and community. Right. I, yeah. We just want to add one thing, and then Jared, if you'd like to add, you know, love to hear the um, the, the missional component. I think is huge, and um, you you mentioned life cycle, right? And so when I think life cycle, that there's a there's an end. Something is birthed, something grows, and then something dies, right? But is there multi, is there something is there new births or new things that are happening in the midst of a life cycle? So it is a life cycle, perhaps of one iteration or expression of a group. But then something new is, is happening. How how do you, you know how yeah. do you have you guys seen that? Yeah, that's good. Is that, is that a question? Like, is it, how do we see that? Yeah, was well, that something? Yeah, is that how do you kind of how does that is that true? I, you know, I, I would assume that that's true. That you want it's not just man, man, it goes. Justin, and, tell Naomi's story. Yeah, well, that's a great question, uh, Jared. I don't feel like that necessarily goes towards like multiplication. So if you're trying to probably looking to edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, everything that you just said there, Tyler, I, I think that that's exactly um, how it goes, right? There's growth and there's death, but what happens in between those spaces? And so, you know, a lot of times what we talk about is you should be a group, the same group, for roughly 18 months to, to 24 months. We, we know, in fact, research, and there's a different book, uh, Leading Small Groups That Thrive, that did a lot of research based within community ministry. Mm. And one of the things that they shared was that it's really that 18-month window where more spiritual growth happens. And it makes sense, right? When you have to step into a new space with different people who have a different opinion than you, and what does it actually look like? Love covers a multitude of sins, and you're actually having to express those things and live those things out. We spiritually grow it's mm-hmm. when we get comfortable, when these are all my buddies from 10 years ago, and I don't really right. have to share a new thing because they accept me anyway, and all that's good, and it's not it's not wrong, uh, but it doesn't necessarily facilitate spiritual growth. Right. So right. the group coming together, there should be some outflow of the group where we're actually, we're multiplying leaders, whether that's leaders, and we're multiplying mm-hmm. the group, or we're inviting people who don't know the Lord in. like. Part of that multiplication and new birth of just your own spiritual growth is that it is really fun to see God work in the life of its people. Mm-hmm. For people to put away sin and for new people to find faith for the first time ever, like that's mm-hmm. really fun. Mm-hmm. And that we get to partner with God in that is just insane. And so part of that multiplication is a multiplication of your own spirit to be able to mm-hmm. join with God in the mm-hmm. renewal of, the, of all things in your own community. Right. So. Anyway, that that's a little no, no, bit no. more of what you were talking about there. Yeah. Jared, I don't know if you have a story that you want to share there or no. I mean, I, my encouragement Tyler to to pastors no matter where you are in the church is stop being frustrated with your groups because mm-hmm. they don't follow an an if then this strategy. That's science. You know. Mm. Groups are art. It's it's if then else with God. All things are possible, right? Like lean into the adventure of groups, lean mm-hmm. into the art of them. They're not a science; they are an art. Um, mm-hmm. I use this analogy a lot. 
as I'm visiting churches is that, so take Acts 2. You'd mentioned that earlier. Um, that is the classic small groups, early church passage. So take those mm. four elements. You've got prayer, word, fellowship, breaking of bread. The art of small groups is instead of making those a checklist, those are going to be tornadic in the sense that we know all of these elements are coming into a small group. How mm. they're going to measure out is not necessarily timing how much we do those elements, but making sure that when the elements come together, we're asking the Spirit of God to kind of move in that whirlwind mm -hmm. in that small mm -hmm. group. That, that's the other thing. If your small groups aren't working, my first thought is, are you fasting and praying for them? Hmm. How, when was the last time you fasted that God would meet you in your small group? Hmm. When was the last time you prayed personally, not in the group, that, though that's important, but just throughout the week, prayed for a person or people in your small group? And here's an idea. Text them and say, hey, I'm praying this for you today. People aren't going to get angry about that. Right. That's actually going to help knit the group. So, so think about all those elements of Acts 2. I think those are the place to go. Mm -hmm. um, and see what the Spirit's going to do as mm -hmm. you pray and fast and ask Him to bring those things together in a way that just a, a schedule or a checklist is not going to do. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, we know what's going to happen. It's going to happen the same as in the early church. Um, that's verse 47 of Acts 2. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. So I'm, I'm banking on that promise. That's what I'm fasting and praying for the people in my small group and for the small groups that we lead in our churches is that those four elements that come together in a tornadic way. Mm -hmm. And the Spirit's going to do some amazing work. But I don't think He's going to do it if we try to control it. Yeah. A lot of times we, we want to give God our small group plan. Hey, God, I, I whiteboarded out how this group time is going to go. I'd really mm -hmm. like you to bless that. Mm -hmm. Instead of coming to Him with... with belief that he is who he says he is he's personally involved in the lives of the members of this group right. lifting up empty right. hands of faith and asking that he'd flow fruit through us in this yeah. group meeting yeah or even throughout the week when we're apart no that's good and i think that's the relational almost spontaneity too of the, the spirit-led group right and that's so it, but we can't be afraid of it right pastors want to control things hmm. we want it to be a science it is not with god mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the adventure with God is mm -hmm. leaning into what he wants, getting in on what he's doing in the yeah. group, not being mad because your church or your group isn't what you think it should be. Mm -hmm. Now that's funny. I think, well, it's interesting because you guys, you know, I come from a, the church I'm part of is a, has Pentecostal roots. And so we're reforming in some sense. So probably more Baptocostal now, but that, the challenge is not, is not, you know, more spirit-led, the challenge is more order <laughs> in, sure, uh, sure. in our groups. And so yeah, there's that balance, right? There is, there's there is. that balance. Is you, it's truth and love. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they are not separate equations. Mm -hmm. That's the adventure with God is learning how do those work in concert? You can't have one without the other. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, was just was just thinking uh, something you mentioned a little bit earlier, Justin, and I think this is something I've been reflecting on. Would love to hear some of your thoughts too. Is you have the in a transactional age where we can easily you know lose affiliation, move on to the next greatest thing, right, or the next thing, we can sometimes lose in that relational connectivity, right? And so I f I feel like there's a tension between staying in a group long enough where you're actually engaging life on life, so that you know. So 18, 24 months, whatever that time frame looks like. But at the same time, we don't get so comfortable that just as you said, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, that's just Billy being Billy, you know? 
It's like, oh, well, maybe not. Maybe God was, he wants us to change and, you know, we can change, right? And so, but at the same time, not being like, oh, I did my six months to a year here. I didn't like that message. Let me, I didn't get too connected to this group, right? Um, and so that's something I'm always thinking of too. And I guess with that, right, it maybe a slightly different is this aligning based on interests, which I think can be a good thing, but similar when we get so comfortable in everyone who is, I'm 30 years old, everyone who's 30 who plays sports and, you know, grew up in suburban Boston, right? Or whatever. We can, we can talk and talk shop about a lot of things, right? Whereas when I'm, you know, now engaging with someone in his sixties or seventies, I'm getting a whole new perspective of the totality and diversity of the body of Christ too. So would love to kind of a few of those dynamics, right? The the group life cycle, engagement, and I guess the makeup of the group. What would be, I guess, your encouragement and some of you know the kind of the years you guys have processed and been seeing this lived out? Yeah, I mean that's the tension, right? And I think you you flushed that out really well. Just recently, I was talking to somebody that was like, "Well, you know, if we change over time, and I say that all the time, we change over time, then shouldn't we have relationships, you know, that's that last over time?" And I think that there's a lot to be said about that. I think where we need to be careful is that like Jesus didn't just call us to friendship, right? Like he did call us to friendship, but it's so much right. more than that. Right. Yeah. And so it's actually like transformation requires loss. It requires, mm-hmm. it costs us something. And you mm-hmm. know, somehow in our American mindset, we think that we can get healthy by eating ice cream and never working out and sleeping in and to have our cake and eat it too. But that's just not how that works. Mm-hmm. And the same is true for our community. And so I think there are times and let's just talk about like a small group environment where that that mixture of gospel in gospel out, like usually what happens is that there's kind of a core that stays together and there's people on the outside that go in and out. One of the things that Jared and I talk about a lot is that there's only only so much you can promise in a, in a for us home group, anywhere else, life group, small group, whatever you call it. There's only so much you can actually promise. And one of the things that we can actually promise is just an opportunity to be able to find that community. Mm-hmm. We actually can't promise you true transformation. We can't promise you all your best friends. We can't promise you like most people join a group to have friends. And that's a good thing hmm. that we need to then take and transform into a better thing. Yes. And so you have this sense of, uh, we do change over time, you know, uh, at, at our church, Matt Chandler talked about deep work over time in community. Like that's a beautiful thing. Hmm. But Jared and I, even right now, we've known each other for seven years and, you know, we worked together for a while. Now we're at two different churches and there's still a sense of community for us, even if mm-hmm. he's in a different place. Mm-hmm. The question that I think I want to answer for most of our people that enter into the church is, um, but who's actually with you right now? Because there's only so much Jared and I can do. We have a history, deep work over time in community. That's beautiful and good. But who's here right now who literally just saw me, not that I ever do this, blow up on my kids, right? And, and so it has a sense of like, they actually get to confront me with the gospel and then I actually get to respond Mm. whether I actually know them that well or not. You know, like there's this sense of like, you're in my business and I don't love it, but Mm -hmm. I need it. And Mm -hmm. I, and you need it too. Right. And so community, you know, we have this idea that community only means it's like the deepest of the deepest friendships. And that's true. And there's a good sign to that, but it also is on the other side where it's like, and you're just in my proximity and we go to church together and you were over at my house on a Sunday afternoon because we're in group together. And as mm. I said, you get to like help me, help me pay the cost of transformation because you're actually in my business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have Jared or, and I have somebody else yeah. that I, yeah. has a long-standing yep. relationship. Boom. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that answered your question, but those are some of the things that came to my mind. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I just was curious to hear your thoughts on that. And I think that's really good. Um, how it's not, it is friendship, but it goes beyond friendship. Right. Yes. And, um, I think it's good to have a companion, someone who's trusted, right. Who's with you, but just like any organization, you oftentimes, sometimes you need an outside consultant to come in yeah. and give that perspective and to not only be a consultant, but then, you know, participate and be part of that group too. And I think mm-hmm. that's the thing of the Christian community that, that really goes the extra mile. Um, and you know, the, the, the all these, uh, statements you meant, uh, sorry, uh, said earlier about one another, right. And that's the, the group dynamic just where, yeah, where two or three are gathered in Matthew. So, um, I think that covers a lot of the kind of the things I would, you know, was looking to hear about just kind of wanted to know a little bit more. You guys, you know, work together on this community leadership collective would love just to hear a little bit more about what that is. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. See community leadership collective. It's communityleadership.org. Um, this really grew out of a passion of mine, Justin's, and then um, one of our fellow pastors, his name's JJ Side. He's at Frontline in Oklahoma City. Um, we just all kind of like found out about each other. Justin and I were working together, and then we thought, you know, group, there's no one who feels more alone in the local church than the people who are charged with leading the group's ministry, which is weird because the person charged with community is oftentimes the loneliest person in the church. <laughs> Um, it's kind of like being the host of the party is that, uh, you know, you, you don't have a lot of time to have fun because you're making sure everybody else is having fun. Yeah. Um, and you feel like you've got to deliver. So we just, we naturally through some connections had relationships with other groups, leaders across the country. We started bringing them together and that birthed a community leadership collective where we offer um, just uh, consulting to churches. We'll do we'll do some Zoom stuff. We'll do some in-person stuff. We'll go do uh, small group conferences for churches, either a day, two days, mm. you know, whatever's going to serve that local body. We customize it mm. to them, um, and so that that's been fun. We've been doing that for probably five years or so now. Mm. Yeah, and I would say that the heart of it too is providing a space where you know, again, we talked about this earlier. Small group ministry is so dynamic. You're dealing with everything mm-hmm. under the sun. In a lot of ways. And so there are a thousand nuances and dynamics at play. And so Mm -hmm. to create a space where, hey, we'll sit with you for 30 minutes to an hour, that's great. There's so many questions that build off of each other. And so uh, in October, we'll have a day in Dallas, uh, Texas, where we'll have uh, two days. And it's essentially a small groups conference for people who actually do this discipleship pastors. So we've had lead pastors, elders, uh, church planters. Like it really is designed for teams to come Mm -hmm. together. Uh, but it's a sweet space where we never want it to be 300 people big um, because we want to keep it smaller because, again, so many of those connections happen and the beauty happens there. Mm. And it's not come learn from the gurus who know everything. Right. But you don't. But to provide a space where, hey, we do have some experience and some things that we can point mm-hmm. towards and some resources that we can give to you in that space. Mm-hmm. But you actually might have an idea that I've never considered in my life and I, I want to learn from you. And so we want to create that space together. So that happens in October. It's I think it's on like 26, 27, somewhere in there. But that can yep. be found on the website as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the same, the mm-hmm. same way, man. We we wrote a book about community in community with one another. I don't, I don't know another way to do that. Um, we get to go and we get to interact with a lot of brothers and sisters at churches as a community. That that's our heart with CLC. Mm-hmm. We'd love to just make it practical, kind of put it into flesh, so to speak. And so, right, is there a case study you mentioned that it's, you know, it's not a one size fits all, but there's different contexts, different, 
aspects that need to that will look a little bit different you know can you just explain maybe a you know a, a church or a ministry for this is really for kind of group leaders and you know pastors elders to kind of see how what some of the different challenges are that are you know across different churches yeah and how those were kind of addressed and how you kind of help to provide that platform of transformation right not to guarantee it but to provide that platform yeah that's right is there is there a particular example or you know a case study that you could reference that kind of has you know two separate you know or a couple different examples for the collaborative yeah collaborative or some of the some of how you know you talk about small groups right isn't a one size fits all right and so we've talked about a lot of good things about small groups um, but love with just to kind of make it practical what is an example of this is what was happening in Oklahoma City. And here is some of the changes that they made or how they re- rethought about their group and how that looks different from uh, another church that you're speaking with or another ministry in, in Dallas, Texas, right? Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think that's good. I, I think, um, you know, many times you, know, you kind of have three circles of what your group's ministry will do. And one of the things that we talk about is you pick your model, you pick your problem. Like if you're going to be mostly Bible study, that, that has a very specific type of person that has to be that leader for you it has to be a teacher it has to be yeah. somebody who understands the scriptures it has to be hmm. you know and that is a model right but what that's generally going to miss most of the time not every time is more that missional component more that community component and then the other side right if you're just community you're going to miss some of that scripture you're going to miss some of that missional out oh, that's good and then yeah. if you're just a missional community um, many times that type of leader has to be your you know entrepreneurial like they're going to you know, hell or high water, we're going to take the bridge and whatever it might be. And again, those people are amazing, but there's just not that many people like that probably in your church. And so, hmm. um, and honestly, that's why I love Bruce ministry. It can be so different hmm. depending on the context that you're in. So our friend, JJ Sai, who, who's up in Oklahoma City, they are a more missional uh, community. Hmm. And they yeah. should be, because that's what's needed in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Where for us, we're more communal in nature, that's shifting more towards mission and having both of those um, in the space of the church. So I guess my question towards hmm. whoever would be asking us is, what is your discipleship strategy as a whole? And how does groups just play hmm. into that? I think groups ministry can hold about 60 to 70% of the discipleship of your church. But I think it needs help. And so mm. when whatever other spaces you have at your church, uh, you have to be able to, to answer the question as a whole and within holistic discipleship. Right. Um, so having the different aspects was actually great about the collaborative in particular is that Jared is going to be more uh, Bible community. I'm going to be more community mission. And JJ is going to be more missional community. So we kind of mm. hit actually all three of those really well That's good. Um, yeah. to be able to give the resources necessary to be able to bring those things to the forefront. Yep. Yeah. And helping and helping, I think one of the major things in our work, whether it's whether it's doing consulting, doing a conference, doing one of the collaboratives, is that we want people to say, Hey, God's put you in this context. Hmm. It's not it may not be the context of your dreams or even what you had mapped out, but there are real life people right here. What's the context God has put you in? And what is the group strategy that best serves them? That's part of what we accomplish in our workshops is hmm. giving uh, each participant, it mm-hmm. uh, kind of a more more clarity. At least we pray so mm-hmm. about who are the souls that God's put in front of you. What are some of the patterns right. uh, and of the needs of the people, mm-hmm. and how can groups meet that need? Because we believe they can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. I, I, I think the way that framework makes sense. I mean, we're I'm in New England, and it's like 
we're yeah, very low, right. un, very unchurched area. And so that we're leaning into that missional component because that's what's needed right now. That's where I think yes. the, the spirit yes. is leading us. And so, I, I yeah, I like that. That, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And start cheering each other on. Like one, one thing we're not doing in the book or through CLC is we are not saying this is the way do it. Mm-hmm. We're saying, hey, guys, kind of like I said earlier, the, these are the elements that God's given us in in the word mm. for this kind of ministry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's go play. Mm. Let's see what he wants to do with those elements in your context. Mm. Um, that's yeah, the it's good. Yeah, we the, kind of the word we use is community listening. And so we really kind of hear what mm-hmm. the felt needs are. And we try and engage those, right? And because the gospel is relevant and it's changing all aspects of life and society. And so meeting people there and then providing an alternative off you know often the jesus way the alternative way forward so um well guys this has been really fruitful and you know i could go on and on and so thank you for your time just where can we find you the book anything else you guys are working on or resources to to point our listeners toward i mean best place to find us is guide to groups.com that'll take you to a community leadership collective and the book Mm -hmm. so it's all it's all right there at one website awesome one last thing I was, was going to add, you know, if you're a group leader and you, you want some encouragement, um, you know, if you're one of the things I was told is, you know, if you're at the grill, uh, always see the guy at the grill. And so because the grill is often the host of the party and is, is leading and is, um, you know, it's not the loneliest guy. And so, you know, if you can be uh, if you can help, you know, that guy at the grill, uh, it, go, it goes a long way. So definitely, you know, be an encouragement to other group leaders as well. And I like that going back to what you said in the beginning is. Um, teachers, preachers to be involved in groups themselves and to, to have that community because then it's community in, you know, it's, it's yeah, community on community and you get that perspective. So, well, awesome. Thank you guys for your time and uh, yeah, would love to stay connected. Thank you. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler.